0: is like a totally different thing. Like when you're young and you injure yourself and you go to the doctor, let's say you like bust your knee or something, you're like 20. And you go to the doctor and you're like, my knee's busted. They're going to move like heaven and earth to fix you. Because they're going to be like, oh, you're 20, your knee's busted. What are we going to do? And then they're like, well, we can get you surgery, we can do this, and you're going to take these medications, you can go see this specialist, and we're going to, don't worry, man, we'll get you going, and we'll get you back up playing soccer or whatever it is you do. You know, like, that's how it is when you're 20. But as you get older, you know, and I'm, I'm the other side of 40, and so as you, as you get older and you go to the doctor, you'll be like, man, my knee's busted. It's a different conversation, you know. They don't, I'm like, all right, my knee's busted. They're going to move heaven and earth. They don't do that anymore you go there and they're like, I mean, you know, your doctor starts saying things to you like, I mean, this is just kind of the way it is. And you're like, what, what do you mean? My knee's busted. I tore something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that now. And you're like, what? And, then, and, and you get this. They're like, I mean, it's just going to be like that until you die. Like, it's just going to hurt, <laughs> you know? And you're like, Wait a second, I thought like you move heaven and earth and you do the thing and we're going to call the specialist and we're going to do the surgery. And they just, no, actually, you know, it's just kind of, you're going to have to learn how to adjust. And it's weird. It's weird. You're just not ready for it. You're like, when did I, when did I become not worth taking care of anymore? Like, when did I, when were they just kind of like, sorry, buddy? Just sorry, old man, whatever. And, uh, the, and even if you don't injure yourself, because I've done some stupid things mostly related to soccer and basketball that I've paid for, uh, but even if you don't injure yourself like that, you're like taking it careful and you're not going to try anything crazy, your eyes start to go bad. It's just a thing. Um, I remember going to my eye doctor. I had the same prescription on my eyes for years and years and years and years, just decades. It's just kind of the same. My eyes have always been pretty bad. And I go in there and um, about a, cu- a couple years ago, he's like, you know... You noticing any changes? I'm like, no, it's it's fine. And then suddenly, it seems suddenly, I started like trying to read stuff and I was like, Man, that's a little it's a little blurry when I'm reading that. That's weird. And I was like, you know, my contacts are probably like dirty, you know, you change them out and you say, Oh, you know, and, and eventually I had to go back to the eye doctor, I'm like, Yeah, I think uh something's going on here, you know. And he was like, uh he's like I mean this happens to everybody, uh he said getting bifocals. They, in England, they call them 43s, which is the age you are when you have to have bifocals. I was like, oh man, that's like a known thing, huh? And, and I didn't, I want you to know, I didn't get them until I was 45. Uh, and I'm competitive like that, so it mattered to me. I'm like, heck no, I might get 43, nothing. So, um, but like having unclear vision is like a problem, you know, and you start, you start to notice it and, and, and you start being like, I wonder if I can change the font on my phone so it's a little bigger, you know. So I've got, um, having unclear vision is bad, but it is not the worst thing. At least it's not even the worst thing with, with, your, with your vision. I think there are other forms of not being able to see that actually cost you more than just, you know, bifocals or whatever. Like, if you lack the vision to know where your life is going and you can't see where you're going to go, uh, that's a problem. It's a big problem. If you lack the vision to see clearly who you are and why you do what you do, that's a big problem, and it costs you a lot. If you lack the vision to, to really, truly see the people that are around you that you claim to love, if you don't see them well, you don't see them clearly, that's a big problem, and it costs you a lot. It costs you more than any, any loss of, of actual physical vision. When we don't see each other well, we don't see ourselves well, we don't see where we're going. This is the kind of uh, vision problem that Jesus actually addressed when he was walking around and teaching his disciples. He used, uh, on several occasions, he uses a, a, an image or an analogy of the eye and, and what difference it makes, and he talks about why we need to be able to see clearly. And he's not talking about, you know, blindness or, or whatever. He's talking about our, our inability to see ourselves and others well. And, and I want to read to you and the scripture I'm gonna to read to you, if you've never read the Bible before, you probably know this verse. Because it just shows up in culture, it shows up in memes, it shows up in it is just like a thing. Like you may know nothing about Jesus, but you know he said this because it's so popular and and something and, and the fact that we all know it, it says something about us, probably as a culture. So, we've been, we've been following Jesus around in this series called This is the Way, and we're walking with Jesus as he walks around the Sea of Galilee, teaching and healing, and, and we're looking at the different interactions he has with people and the teachings that he, the things he says, you know. We're looking at all these things and trying to figure out what does this mean for us today and, and why does this matter and, and what can we learn? So, let me, let me read you. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus calling us to love in a very uh, a, a very uncomfortable way, like pushing us to love those who are unlovable. Um, and he follows it up with this. Luke chapter 6, we'll start with verse 37. I'll put it up on the screen. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Famous, right? Even if we only know the first two words. Judge not, and you will not be judged. That's the idea. So this is the thing that people say when you start criticizing anything they're doing. If they know you're religious, they'll be like, doesn't Jesus say you shouldn't judge people? Correct. It does say that. But like all of these things, there is some needed context. Dig into it. Get into what is actually being said, what is actually meant in the first century, and then how would that apply to us. So if you, if you look at it more closely, Jesus is saying really three, three things. Two of them we would think of as negative and one as a positive. So uh, judge not as a negative, right? Don't judge because you know, you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. Um, and then, the more positive thing, he says, forgive others and you'll be forgiven. These two negative ideas, and then one that's uh, a bit more positive. And if we think of what he's saying in terms of human relationships only, it doesn't make sense. If, if what we think Jesus is saying is, don't judge people, and then they won't judge you, if you forgive people, they will forgive you. If you don't condemn people, they won't condemn you. If, if, if we think of it in those terms, it doesn't really hold up. It doesn't work. Because the truth is, you cannot judge other people, and they still might judge you. You cannot be condemning towards others. They still might be condemning to, towards you. You can forgive people all day long. It doesn't mean they're going to forgive you. It's not like a rule. It doesn't work that way. So the statement doesn't make sense if all we think about is human relationships. But if you add a God piece into this, it makes a lot more sense. If G- Jesus is saying, don't judge other people because when you do, God's going to judge you. Don't be condemning towards others because when you do, God will be condemning towards you. And if you are willing to forgive other people, God will for, forgive you. Now, it's not a ledger. It's not like a, a, a legalistic scorekeeping thing. Okay, God, I... I um, I judged people 10 times this week. And God's like, well, I got 10 judgments coming for you. Oh God, I was condemning of other people four times this week. And God's like, four, all right, let me just keep score. I got four coming your way. God, I was really forgiving this week. I forgave three people. And God's like, I'll forgive you three times for your next three sins. I got it, we're good. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's not, it's not a ledger. It is, as Jesus so often when he teaches, it is about the heart, the heart that is not judgmental, God sees that and knows. He's not going to judge you. The heart that is not condemning towards others, God sees that and knows your heart and knows if you're not condemning towards others, he's not going to be condemning towards you. The heart that is generous, that, that wants to forgive, God sees that and he goes, this is a forgiving person. I, I'm, I'm quick to forgive them. Whatever measure you're using, that same measure will be given to you. This is what Jesus says next. Look at verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you think of that in terms of like cooking, like you add a teaspoon of this or you add a quarter cup of that, he's saying to the degree you will do those things, a quarter cup of forgiveness, it will be measured back to you. In fact, he says, uh, you you know, you can can put out basically a quarter cup of forgiveness. God's just going to pile it on from there. He's going to give you more. Uh, and, 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 and even even bless you. So there's something to this idea that to the degree we treat other people and, and how we treat them, God will, will see that and then treat uh, us uh, accordingly. Um, and, and this isn't a, a, a legalistic thing. He's not keeping score on it. But it is a, hey, look how you treat other people as an indicator of your heart. And what Jesus is always talking about is the heart. This is why, as followers of Jesus, we have to love God and love people. You can't just love God and not love other people. In fact, the people who try to love God and pursue righteousness and do what's right by God and don't love their neighbor and don't love friends and don't love, don't do the things we talked about last week about loving our enemies, the people who love God and don't do those things are dangerous people, some of, the, some of the, the, the shadiest characters in history are people who claim to love God but did not extend that out to their neighbor. And this was a problem in the first century that people would be legalistic and they would love God in their very God-honoring sort. of I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give and I'm going to do all these acts of righteousness for God but I'm not going to love my neighbor. You would see that kind of thing in the first century and I think you see it today. You see people who get so wrapped up in in God that they forget to love the people around them or they, they don't even consider it. And, and their, their idea of being righteous before God becomes this ugly sort of self-righteousness where I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting right before God and that makes me better than you. And that's the ugly thing we don't want to see. And I used to think that religious people kind of cornered the market on self-righteousness. And then COVID... And I started to see, and maybe I'd seen it before that, and maybe you've seen this too, religious people do not corner the market on self-righteousness. Yes, there's a tendency there, for sure. But there's a lot of self-righteousness out there. There's a lot of, I'm doing it right and everybody else is wrong. And I don't care about the relationship. I just want to be be right. It's one thing to make the best decisions, to to be in an uncertain situation, to evaluate all the options and go, I'm going to make the best decision for me and, and, my, and my family, but it becomes, very easily, it becomes this self-righteousness thing where you start judging everyone else's different decision, and, and you see that stuff, and it gets very ugly, and it's ugly on all sides of these, of these issues and, and, and debates. So the idea that we can uh, love God and not consider our neighbor and not love our neighbor is, is, is just silly. Love, is ex- love to God is expressed in how we love God our neighbor. Those things are tied together. So Jesus wants us to look inward. He wants us to look at, like, how do we do this? How are we showing up in the world? How do you show up at work? How do you show up in your family? Are you being loving? Or are you being judgmental and condemning? Are you being generous and forgiving? Because how you show up in those relationships reveals your heart. So Jesus, um, to, to, to highlight this point, he gives us this little parable, and this is where the eyes thing sort of comes up. Um, verse, verse 39, let's read on. He says this, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you, you may have heard this before, listen to this, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck That is in your brother's eyes. So this is where he starts talking about eyes in this whole thing. And he's pointing out the idea that we are very good and very prone to see everyone else's flaws. They're very visible to us. They're very obvious to us. We have to live with them. We have to, you know, sleep with them. We have to raise them in our homes. We have to go to work with them. We have to become friends with them. We see other people's flaws very easily. It's very easy to look around and go, You're doing it wrong, and you're wrong too. It's like Oprah, where everybody gets a a pony, except everybody gets a flaw, and I can find them all. Yeah, you have a flaw, and you have a flaw. Like, we're good at this, and Jesus knows it. And we do it directly, right? We we can be very confrontational and say, oh, you're just wrong, or we do it in the very common sort of social media passive-aggressive thing, where we sort of get on the line and be like, oh, some people whatever. And, they, and you're probably talking about a particular person, but you just kind of go, oh man, I hate it when some people are like," And you talk about this whole category of people, right? It's this passive aggressive thing. So Jesus says, look, if there's a speck in your brother's eye, that isn't to say they don't have something in their eye. They don't have a problem, an issue. But if that's there, here's what you need to do about it. You go look at the, the log that's in your own eye. Now the word log there is a little bit difficult to translate from the Greek. Sometimes it's translated as log, sometimes it's translated as plank. Um, As I understand it, it's a word that really means like a, a beam that might hold up a house. So the contrast there between a speck in someone's eye and you have this massive beam that would hold up a house in your eye, it's a big deal, right? And it's not supposed to be like uh, it, it's not supposed to be, hey, the person you're criticizing is kind of bad, but you are so terrible. You need, like They kind of blew it, but you blow it all the time. You're an awful person. It's not supposed to be communicating that. It's supposed to be saying, look at your own stuff, not at their stuff. Don't get caught up and, and, and hung up on all of, all of their stuff. You spend your energy working on your own stuff. Why? Why do that? Why should we do that? Well, judging other people is easy. Their flaws are more visible to us. It's easy. It's obvious. Sometimes it's fun. Let's be honest. Superiority, that junk feels good, right? To, to, to feel like I'm doing it right and you're doing it wrong, I feel like I won something, Maybe, maybe you don't relate to that. Maybe I'm actually a terrible person up here. But, but like, there, there's a little bit of that, that comes along with that of, like, man, I, 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 I'm doing it right, they're doing it wrong. And, and, and for me to look at my own stuff and realize where I fall short and where I've blown it, it just doesn't feel good. Um, this, is, this is what we saw in the pandemic, right? I get it and they don't. That feels good. My sources have it right Yours don't. I am just more right than you. There's something satisfying about that. And when you're stressed out and when things are, and you're making hard decisions and you're sacrificing things and things aren't going great and the whole world's turned sort of topsy-turvy when all of these things are in place, one thing you can cling on and, and hold on to is that you're right and they're wrong. Right? And you see this on all sides. We do this. We, we notice our Our stuff. At the end of the day, the reason we are judgmental of other people is it diverts attention away from us. We don't have to focus on my sin if we just talk about yours. Hey, look, don't notice anything over here. Let's look over there at what you've got going on. This is one of the biggest shocks of getting married. Um, and and, and not, not in ways you might expect. Because the deal is, before you were married... Um, There were people that told you you had a speck in your eye. Your parents were like, hey, you should stop doing that, whatever that was. Or, hey, you keep doing that, and that's not great. And what you'll do is is you'll sort of go like, oh, those people, those old people, those old parents of mine from a different generation, they just don't understand. There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. You will tell yourself this. And you'll write them off. And then you'll have friends come along, and they'll be close to you, and they'll have experience with you. And then they're going to find some stuff out about you, and they're going to say, man, why did you do that? Or actually, that hurt when you said that. And you're going to be like, I need to get rid of the haters. These people, I need a different group of friends, because these people do not understand me. They don't get me. You know, They're not here for me when I'm down. Like, you're going to say all of these things. And then you're going to get married, And that person is going to sound shockingly familiar, because they're going to start saying things, hey, you know, you do this, and it's not great, and you did this the other day, and it wasn't awesome. And they're going to sound a little bit like your parents and a little bit like your friends. And you're going to be like, oh, what what is their deal? And the problem is, they don't really go away. Like, they're there all the time. They're going to be there tomorrow and tell you about it. And this is the shocking thing about getting married, is just the face-to-face of, oh, oh, yeah, I guess that again, this just keeps showing up in my life. And I don't know about you, I'm a big fan of counseling in marriage, to going going to professional counselors and work things through, whether you think you need it or not, maybe just go for a tune-up, whatever. But so many times I've gone to a counselor um, with my wife, and I go in there thinking she's the problem. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad we're doing this because. So, you know, we sit down with the counselor. I'm like, she, she has some things she'd like to say to you, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And then at the end of the day, you know what I find out when I'm in there? It's my problem again. <laughs> it's me again. It's like, oh, I thought I was done with this. I thought I was better than this. Like, I thought I had worked on this. Like, this is the reality is you've got stuff and you've got to f- Face it, And Jesus is pushing us to look at the, the, the plank, the beam, the log in our own eyes and stop judging other people. He wants us to get clear eyes, to remove that stuff that's clouding our vision, to stop pretending. He actually uses the word hypocrite. We use that word regularly. to to describe people, oh, they're just being a hypocrite. And what we mean is the way you act is not the way you talk. Like there's no alignment between your walk and talk. That's what we mean by hypocrite. Jesus was unique in the ancient world for using that word. In his day, the word hypocrite was an actor on the stage, someone who played a role and they wore a mask. And he took that term of a stage actor with a mask and applied it to regular people and said, this is what you're being. You're being the kind of people who act like you're something and put on a mask, but inside you're not really that thing. And it was, a, it was a, a, an unusual way to use the language. And he's calling us out. You're playing a part. You're not being honest. You're not willing to get clear eyes and see yourself and see your own heart. And I get why we do that. Because if we look at ourselves clearly and look at the plank in our own eye and, and really get after that, that stuff is hard. Change is hard. Growth is hard. Owning our own sins and saying, this is where I've messed up. This is uncomfy. It is much, much easier to judge other people. And you'll see a lot of that in the world. This is the way of the world, to judge other people, to make the accusations of wrongdoing. There's very little confession of our own stuff. There's very little self-reflection. So the first step of growth and change is going to be look clearly at our own stuff. Look at what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Where do you fall short? What could you be doing differently? With parenting, when our kids were little, it was easy to judge them, to say, Get your shoes on. Why haven't you got your shoes on? We needed to leave the house five minutes ago. Why are you still looking for your shoes? Like all that conversation you have about a thousand times in your house growing up. It's very easy. They're wrong because they're kids. Their brains aren't fully developed. They don't understand. It's very easy in that. As they get older and their brains are more developed, it changes the relationship dynamic and you have to start dealing with your stuff. They did not warn me about this in parenting. All the parenting books are about like how to help toddlers and how to help your baby sleep through the night. They did not warn me that eventually they become pretty functional people who understand things, and they can see your garbage when you put it out there, and they they have the language. You know, you're so excited for them to be able to talk, and then one day, they call you out on your stuff, and it's not so fun anymore. I was like, I remember when you couldn't even say a word right, and now you're like calling me on my stuff, and as parents, you have to show up differently, and it's just part of the process. And you have to grow and you have to change and you have to be like, man, my issues matter now. My hypocrisy is noticeable and they have the words for it. I have to look at my own stuff. And this is uncomfortable as the relationship dynamic shifts. I need to do the work of removing the plank in my own eye even now with my own children before I address their stuff. That isn't to say I never say anything to them about what they've got going on, but I need to be... uh, Really prayed up, and and, and I need to have really consider my own stuff and really worked through it. So, how do we do this? What are? Let me just give you a couple a couple ideas t- to handle this, and then we're we're done. And before I give you these, let me let me just make this disclaimer. Because when I read that from Jesus, what I want to say is, you know, because he says, "Remove the log from your own eye before you remove the plec- the, the speck in your brother's eye." What I want to say is. So you're saying there is a speck in my brother's eye. Cool, all right, I thought so. I thought there was a problem over there with him. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, do, I'll deal with my thing. But then, can I go back and really like blast him for that? Because, right, that's where I want to go. Um, I, 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 I don't think Jesus is saying, don't ever tell anybody ever about anything wrong with anything. Because that's kind of how we would use it. Judge not, don't judge me. Don't tell me I'm wrong ever. There's a difference between judgment and discernment. Judgment can carry the you're going to hell vibe and you don't want that and Jesus doesn't want us to do that. It is not our place. It's not our role. Leave that to God. Let him be the judge. Discernment is valuable though and you use it all the time. When you order off a menu at a restaurant, you use discernment. You say this, not this. I want this, but not this. This is important. Now, that's a minor thing, right? But you do it all the time with with friend groups. You go, that's not the people I want to hang out with. I want to hang out with these people. Is that a judgment? Kind of. But it's being discerning, and we do that in life. You have to get through life that way. You have to say, this, not this. This is a good way to be. This is not a good way to be. These are good things to eat. These are not good things to eat. This is a good job to take. This is not a good job. There's judgment in that. There's discernment in that, and that's okay, and that's valuable. So it is. we can still be discerning, and we can still point things out, to our our brother, but here's what needs to happen. Number one, spend time each week in reflection. Spend time each week in reflection. Think about your stuff. Um, I try to spend a little bit of time each day journaling, so I'm a a paper and pen guy. You could do this on a computer, I suppose, but I'm a paper and pen guy for this. Write down um, things I'm praying about or just things I'm thinking about, a thought that occurred to me, ways that I'm showing up in the world that I that I want to, something that happened yesterday that got me kind of triggered, what was going on there. Do that work of looking at your own stuff. Um, it's, it's incredibly valuable. And the reason why it's so valuable is I have, and I think you have too, an incredible capacity to lie to myself about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, like about my motives, about just it's really easy to just sort of lie to yourself. And something about writing it down and like really reflecting forces you to go like, okay, did I really do that? I mean, I I actually think the act of writing something down is really powerful because before that, it's just a thought in your head. But when you write it down, you're like, I really did write that and it physically came out of my hand. That is actually what's happening. There's something very powerful about that. And so look at your own stuff. Spend some time um, daily, I would say, but at least every week just journaling a little bit and saying this is what I've got going on because the heart is deceitful above all things, the scripture says, and it can lie to you. And we got to get honest and capture that sucker and go like, what am I really doing here? So uh, I would say reflect, journal. Um, I, I think us being judgmental of other people in part, comes from our lack of self-reflection. We're, we're, we're unwilling to look at our own stuff, so we just look at other people's stuff. And that's, that's weird because there's a, there's a saying that they use in AA, um, if you spot it, you got it. So if you're like, that person's really gossipy, the reason you notice that is probably because that plank is in your eye also, but it's just like, and you maybe feel that subconsciously, so you notice it so much easier in other people if i'm if if i'm uh, ignoring my own sin and not being honest about it, I will more quickly call it out in others so a way to be less judgmental of others is just to spend time journaling in your own stuff. I actually think the journaling reflection thing is just such a keystone habit like you you've got to do this it's so valuable and at the risk of being, of hyperbole here, if you don't do this, if you don't self reflect in some form, whether it's journaling or just getting quiet and alone and thinking about why you're doing what you're doing and working on your motives. If you don't do this, you will come apart at the seams. I believe that. There's far too much noise. There's far too much social media. There's far too much things screaming for your attention and telling you who you are and who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be about. And there's, there's just, it's coming from all sides. You have to retreat from it and get alone and understand your own heart and ask the Lord to speak to you there. It's, it's crucial. So, so to be less judgmental and to see clearly, you're going to need to kind of look at your own stuff. Spend time each week in self-reflection. And then the second thing is, if you are going to remove the speck in your brother's eye, ask permission to speak into someone else's situation. I'm trying to get in the habit of, and I've been working on this for years, when someone lays something on me, oh, this is going on or whatever, and they're, they're telling me a story about things that are happening, and I notice something I try to get in the habit of saying these words. Can I tell you something I noticed? Um, Can I tell you what I just saw? Can I tell you what I'm hearing? Because when you ask for permission like that, they can say yes or no. And if they say no, you don't say anything. But if they said yes, then in a sense they asked for it, right? Like, not, not to be manipulative. Not to be manipulative. I mean, I'm just kind of being funny with that, but, but there's something in their brain that opens up and says, okay, what do you got? And, and, and let, me, let me talk to you. Let, let me hear what you have to say. It's different. It's not unsolicited advice. It is, hey, I've got something. This is what I'm seeing. Do you want to hear it? And that is a different thing, and it, and it brings about some different results. It helps people open up, open up to hear. Um, you have to do it gently. I always think about when you go get blood drawn at the doctor and the person there, you know, they take you and they start wrapping you up. If they're good at what they're doing, they um, they'll like talk to you. And maybe if they think you're skittish of needles or whatever, they say stuff. You know, they always tell you they're like, "You're gonna feel some pressure." I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, like the rest of my life. So that's fine. <laughs> like, I got a couple kids. I feel pressure. So that's fine. Uh, no, so they, you're gonna feel some pressure. It's gonna be a little pinch. You know, they'll say whatever to like. Talk you through it, you know. The, me, they talk about how great my veins are. To like, oh, I get I'm like they get excited about that. I'm like, your veins are so okay, um, but they 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 ease you. They do it gently because they know this is gonna hurt. And I just wonder if we could take more cues from that in our interactions. Hey, let me let me be gentle here because I know this is gonna be, you know. Can I can I tell you something I saw? <laughs> You're gonna feel some pressure. Uh, you know, maybe just to be more gentle with it. With one another. Um, What if we took that approach with friends who are doing some stupid things, or with our spouse, or even to be more gentle online? I think it's a a growth in our interactions online. If you see something and your blood pressure goes up, and you go, My friend is saying this, this is making me crazy, um, maybe write out your answer and then delete it and walk away. You ever done that? It's so satisfying. It's like this growth for me. I would have just pressed send on that sucker a while back, but I'm just going to walk away. Like I got my, you know, like this is these are these are steps of being less judgmental. Um, I think this week we're going to have opportunities to be judgmental. You'll have some. I I probably gave you some in this message. Uh, You'll probably have some by the end of today. Maybe later this week. You'll have. Things that'll show up and you'll be like, that guy and that girl and I can't believe she and I can't believe he's doing that. And you'll have all those things. Um, Maybe this is an opportunity to uh, slow down a little bit and work on the plank in our own eye when you see that stuff. Rather than go, I'm going to tell them, work on the plank in your own eye uh, first. I think if more people did that, the world would be a better place. But I'm not asking the world to go do that. I'm asking the church to do that. I actually think this is an area where we, the people who follow Jesus, need to do what he said and walk in the way that he's leading us. And we need to be the people who are getting reflective on ourselves and 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 we're doing our own work before we ever speak into the lives of others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for teaching us, for using something as simple as someone having something stuck in their eye and, and how that should actually point us back to our little self-reflection. So God, I pray we do that. This is hard work. This is uh, difficult, but I, I pray you help us to be the people who reflect and, are, and get honest and real about who we are and where we are how we're showing up in the world before we ever speak into the lives of someone else. God, the church has a reputation for being judgmental and I get it, Um, I understand why. God, may that not be said of us. May we be people who are uh, loving first and reflective and are doing our own work before we speak into uh, everyone else's stuff. Uh, Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.